We are going to open up to 2 Corinthians 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 9. When I talk about God and money, um, I all I can think about when I write sermons about money um, or about generosity is uh, hip-hop and rap music because 90% of it's about money. And as you know, last time I preached about it, about six months ago, um, I uh, referenced a song called Money Ain't a Thing by uh, Jermaine Dupree and Jay-Z. When we were in big church about a year ago, we did a series on money and we called Make It Rain. And so we just, we just like uh, hip-hop references. So today I called our message, Got Money. And there is a wise philosopher on money, um, and his name is Lil Wayne. And uh, L-I-L. And Lil Wayne said some amazing things about money. He said this in his song, Got Money. That's why we call it Got Money. He says this, <clears throat> Got Money, yeah, and you know it. Take it out your pocket and show it, then throw it. Fly, this away, fly, that away, fly, this away, fly, that away. Getting bugged from everybody who see then hang over the wall of the VIP like this away, that away, this away. So those are the wise words on money that we get from Lil Wayne. But we're going to look at a slightly wiser source of, uh, of, uh, of information on money. And we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 is at the back of the Bible. 2 Corinthians. This is, uh, we've referenced this scripture so many times over the years. Um, this is a reference, or this is a letter written by Paul. And Paul is writing to a church in a place called Corinth. Thus, it is called Corinthians. He's writing to the Corinthians. And chapters 8 and 9 are probably like um, the, the best place for uh, a picture of Christian generosity. What we should look like as the church and as Christians, as believers, and how we should treat money. Because what he's doing is he's writing to this group, this church of Corinth, and uh, what they have done is they started kind of like a, a drive for a church in Jerusalem, and the church in Jerusalem was struggling, and so they said, uh, kind of like we do when we raise money for missions, they said, we're going to raise money for this, this church. And they had started this drive, and then uh, they had kind of lost, lost their way, and they're like, yeah, you know, kind of forgotten about it. And so Paul's writing in, he's like, listen guys, you've got to said you were going to do it. You said you were going to, to give this money to Jerusalem that they needed. You have a lot of money. And so we want you to be generous. And we want you to finish off what you said you were going to do. And, and a lot of times when we talk about money, we're like, well, why do we talk about money in church? Well, um, if you're a big church this morning, you know there are 2,000 verses in Scripture that refer to money. And, and overall, there are 800 times that, that money or possessions are spoken of. And so we're going to look at what Paul says about generosity to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 9. So let's read together. Now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. So, just so you know, there was another church who had done really well in giving to this church at Jerusalem. So he's like, I want you to look at the example of this church. They are doing an awesome job. So he says, I want, to know, I want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty well up in rich generosity. This might not seem like this is an equation that doesn't make sense. So you're saying that they are in the middle of an extreme or severe trial. They're very poor, and yet they were very generous. Well, why is it? Here's the missing link. It is the overflowing joy that God had given them. And it doesn't make sense. It's like overflowing joy, extreme poverty, severe trial should mean we've got to keep all the money for ourselves. But what they did was they gave it up to other people. And it says this, for I testify, Paul says this, that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own. If you're taking notes, I want you to, to, to take out this first 
uh, this first thing. We want you to, or the scripture, God wants us to give one, based on what we have, two, sacrificially, and three, willingly. One, based on what we have, two, sacrificially, and three, willingly. Where do we see that? Let me tell you where we see that. It says, they gave as much as they were able. As much as they were able. So it was based not on what they didn't have. He didn't say, you got to give a million dollars when you got ten bucks. They gave based on the money that they had. Even though they were extremely impoverished, they were like beggars on the streets. They gave based on what they had. But, but, it wasn't only that. Because he continues and he said, he says this, um, even beyond their ability. So they gave even beyond their ability. That means it was a sacrifice. They had to give up some things in order to give to other people. And then the third thing is that they did it on their own, entirely on their own. They were not forced to do it. They were willing to give. And so we continue in the scripture in verse 4. They urgently pleaded with us. That's how obsessed they were with giving and how generous this church was. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's People. A lot of times when we hear about money, we're like, oh gosh, I'm going to get up and leave. I don't want to hear about this. I don't want you to talk about my money. I only make 100 bucks a week anyway. I have a part-time job, so don't, don't talk about my money. My money is mine. But he's saying they were so excited to even, to even be able to have the opportunity to give. And so they exceeded our expectations. They gave first of all to the Lord and then the will of God, and then by the will of God also to us. Verse 6, so they urged, or so we urged Titus, which was a friend of Paul's, um, just as he had earlier made a beginning to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. So he's saying, I'm going to send Titus. He's going to finish off this collection. And then he says this in verse 7. This is, this is so important. But since you excel in everything. So he's talking to the Corinthians. He's saying, you excel in everything. You excel in faith. You excel in speech. You excel in knowledge. You excel in complete earnestness. And you excel in love. See that you also excel in in this grace of giving. So what God calls us to do is excel in giving. Turn to your neighbor and say, excel. excel. Turn to the other neighbor and say, excel. excel. Excel means to like push forward with everything you have. You want to be the best. You don't want to just get by. You want to be the absolute best. And so a lot of you guys, you excel in loving your friends. You excel in inviting people to church. You excel in prayer. You excel in quiet times. You excel um, in worship. You excel in, in, in school and in sports and all these things. But many of us don't excel in giving and in being generous. And what Paul's saying is, why would you do all this other stuff, excel in all these other areas, but you don't want to excel in being generous and giving? Because they're all connected. We can't separate it. We can't say, oh, I'll just do a little bit of this and a little bit of this. We have to do everything that God talks about in Scripture. And even when it comes to being generous in our money and our stuff and our time and our treasures, we should also be given. So why should we continue to grow in all these areas and not grow and excel in giving? We're saying, I'm not commanding you, Paul says. Listen, this is so important. I am not commanding you. Here's the deal. You can command someone to give you money. It's called taxes. You can command someone to pay you back. It's like what loan sharks do. They beat up people and they get their money back. But you cannot command generosity. Generosity, by definition, means you want to give it up. You want to give something to someone else. We've all felt that compassion for someone, and we want to give something of ourselves to someone else. We do it on mission trips all the time. You might do it when you see someone living on the street, and you want to give something to them. That's called compassion. 
and it moves you to action. You cannot command that. You cannot command a feeling. So Paul says, I'm not commanding you to do this, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it to the earnestness of others. What he's saying is where your money goes shows a lot about your faith and your love. Now, Remember, this is not a salvation issue. You can't get God to love you more. You can't get in heaven by how much you give. You can only get in heaven through the grace of Jesus. But, but where your money goes shows a lot about what you believe inside. My, my example is similar to my father's. Um, I went to Florida State, and I love Florida State, and I love everything about Florida State. And so I don't have to be commanded to give my money to Florida State. In fact, when I get commanded when alumni... Boosters called me and asked me to give money. They said, no, just give us five bucks. I'm like, no, I'm not going to get anything. But I will willingly, very willingly, go and buy a shirt or go and spend money on tickets or go um, and, and spend gas money to get to Tallahassee or to get to, to, to a, an away game. I will willingly spend money to get a jacket or to get a windbreaker or a sweatshirt that has FSU and Nike check on it because I love Florida State. And so no one has to force me. They can't force me to be generous with my money to Florida State. I just want to do it. It's natural. Many of you love surfing and love skating. And so you are never commanded to spend money on those things. You want to. You want to go buy a new skateboard. You want to go buy a new surfboard. You want to get things repaired. You want to get the clothes. You want to get the shoes. You want to get the board shorts. You want to get the hats. You want to get everything involved in it. Why? Because you care about it. You love it. It is a, it's something that matters to you. And if it matters to you, your money naturally flows that way. That's what Paul's saying. He's like, your money's naturally going to flow if you really believe what you say you believe. And then he, he kind of closes, at least in the area that we're going to read in verse 9, and he says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was, what's that next word? Rich. What's that next word? Rich. That though he was rich, yet, yet, for your sake, he became Lord. He became Lord. So he was rich and he became poor. For whose sake? Our sake. So that through his poverty, you might become rich. This is the whole reason why we talk about generosity and giving and how we should give of our own time and our treasures and our talents and our money. Why? Why? Because God did it first. He is the first giver. He is the supreme giver. He gave his son. His son was living in heaven on high, being praised by angels in eternity, perfection. And he came down to earth. And not just as a king or not just as a ruler, but he came down to earth as a child that was essentially a poor, impoverished servant child. He lived as a, as a migrant worker, as a construction worker, as a carpenter. Why did he do that? He didn't just do it because being poor is, is valuable. The Bible never says, you need to become poor just to be poor. Why should we do that? Jesus did it for a reason. He did it so for our sake we could become rich. And so we are not commanded to be poor. We are not commanded to give up money. Money is not evil. The Bible says the love of money is evil. Not, not being generous is a problem. But, but money is not the problem. And so God says, for other people's sake, I want you to be generous. Just like I was generous with you. And so I just, I just want you to ask yourself a question. Are you sacrificing for anyone else's benefit? Do you sacrifice your money for anyone else's benefit? Or is it mostly for your own? And you may say, hey, I'm a teenager, Ryan. 
You can't talk to me about money. Well, why not? Because what we decide right now about money influences how we will be when we get old. You can't just all of a sudden decide, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to completely change my ways and start giving and start being generous at the age of 30 because you have more money. It doesn't really work that way. You make those decisions at an early time, and then as you get more and more, you will continue to be generous. And so what I wanted to do is I wanted to uh, talk to a couple of people that are experts on money, on the church, on, on, on what the Bible says uh, about money and being generous and how a church works. And so we're going to bring a couple people up onto the stage. We're going to bring uh, one, uh, Carrie Summer. He is our executive pastor. Here. And so, uh, but he's involved in, in, in some finances. He has a, a, a master's in business, and so he, he knows where the money goes to in the church and kind of how it's used. And, of course, uh, as a pastor, he knows a lot about what God's Word says about it. And we're also going to bring to the stage uh, Christy Cannon. <laughs> Bible from this Bible, 
Hundreds of people are in the kingdom right now because they've given their lives to Christ because of the words that came from this Bible. Uh, this Bible was a gift to me when I graduated high school. My church gave it to me. And so what the church does is the church makes investments into the kingdom. They say, hey, what would be a really great way for us to help other people get to know who Jesus is? And we make decisions like buying Bibles for high school seniors. Now, 300, 400 people were giving to the church that I went to in high school. This Bible probably cost $25. So all those people gave somewhere between five and seven cents to this Bible. None of them had any clue that their five to seven cents would go to hundreds of people being in the kingdom right now. But they gave faithfully because they knew that when they came together and as the body of Christ and as the church gave, they would have a bigger impact than they could on their own. Now, I don't know about you, but anytime I think about, hey, let me invest five cents, um, it doesn't go very far on my own. And so when we come together as the body of Christ, we're able to make larger investments together into the kingdom than we ever could on our yeah, and I think, I think something that, just for a, a very easy example for you guys, when we go to Epworth, you each pay a certain amount of money into Epworth. But guess what? That does not cover Epworth. The whole thing that we put on, the whole, uh, all the activities, all the events, all the special things you get, um, all the things that make it special that we want to use to outreach to people about the name of Jesus, costs a lot more money than the money that is put in by people going. And guess who pays for that? other people in the church that are giving out of the generosity of their hearts. When you go to Jamaica, when you go to Albany, when you go to North Jackson, guess what? Your money does not pay for the entire trip. The church pays a chunk of the, 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 the trip and enables us to go and share the gospel with people. And you guys know, if you've been on a mission trip with us, how many people literally come to Jesus because of a trip that we took there. And so literally, if we had not gone... They may not have come to know Jesus. And if we had not been paid for to go, we couldn't have gone. And so that comes from people giving and from generosity of a lot of people. And it doesn't just start when you turn 28. It starts and, and really from, from birth. You can start giving of your allowance. You can start giving. We have little kids in our, in our beach kids that give um, part of their allowance every week to the church. And it may be a dollar. And you may say, well, what does a dollar do? Well, a dollar isn't the issue. The heart that's learning about generosity is. And so um, the next thing I want to talk about is uh, kind of I want each of you to talk about a personal experience, uh, your personal experience with giving um, and, uh, and what it means to you. So maybe kind of kind of how it developed from, the, from your youth and from the teenage years and kind of how that all functioned and what it means to you now. Um, so my family situation growing up, my mom is a strong believer in Christ uh, and raised me up in that. My dad is not. Uh, so my mom had this sense of, yes, we should give. My dad did not. So there's always this tension of, all right, what do I actually do? Like, which one of these parents do I follow? Uh, and so for me, there was that tension growing up. And, and really when I began to realize that the money wasn't mine, to start with, and then everything that I had came from God, that's when I was really able to see this not as something that I was like checking a box, like, oh yeah, good Christians do this. Like, God doesn't want you to do it if you're thinking, hey, I'm going to be a good Christian, and this is, I'm going to be awesome if I give my money. 
What he wants you to do is be able to see the bigger picture perspective that you get an opportunity to partner with him. Uh, and that when I saw that, hey, you know, I'm going to be a pastor, we don't make tons of money, um, just in case you didn't know that, if you're thinking of being a pastor, just plan on that. Uh, and, and so when I realized that, and I knew I wanted to make an impact in the world. I, I knew that God was calling me to do that. Uh, I, I knew that God would do way more with my money than I ever could. And when I began to grasp that understanding that, yeah, I could try and hold on to it and do a little bit with it, or I could give it and trust it to God, and he could do a whole lot with it, uh, it's really, I think, for me when that perspective started to shift. Okay. First of all, it's not very fair. I'm up here with two professional speakers. I'm going to count that. But anyway. Um, so I grew up in the church, and we always gave, my family always gave, and kind of gave out of obligation. This is what you should do, you know. And then as I became an adult and I became married, and we went through this thing called 40 Days of Purpose here at this church, for the first time when I was in my late 20s, early 30s, it was explained to me what tithing was all about. I really had no idea. I just knew growing up, you give because that's what you did. I didn't understand why. I just did a kind of out of an act of obedience to my parents. And so when we found out what it meant, my husband Kevin and I looked at our finances and saw that we've been giving a very paltry sum given all that Jesus has done for us. And so that really turned our hearts and it changed the way we do giving. And it's still changed the way we do giving today. Um, I've been to this church for 20 years, and I've seen most of you grow up, which has been awesome. And I love seeing the investment that giving to this church or to any church does for young people, bringing them up through children's ministry, through student ministry, and on to big church, as we like to call it, I guess. Um, but that kind of investment, like they said, it starts small, and it's a matter of the heart. And you give because of all that God has done for you. And, um, and last, I want to ask you this. Do you have any um, financial mistakes that you want teens to learn from, our students to learn from when it comes to giving, or just kind of when it comes to, to finances in general, um, that you made the mistake and now looking back, you wish someone would have told you this? Don't get a credit card the first moment you get to college. That is a big mistake. I was very fortunate and blessed that my husband had way more financial sense than I did when we got into college. And he's like, you can't keep carrying that. You're basically paying money to someone for using their money. It's just more money. You could be using cash and not paying for the use of that money. Don't get a credit card. That's a big mistake. I think one of, for me, one of the hardest things uh, going from high school to college was uh, I got a full scholarship to the college that I went to. And so I didn't actually value that money. Uh, and for me, it was just, all right, yeah, I get to go, and let's go have a good time, right? And uh, I, I didn't realize what had actually been given to me. And so uh, while I had great grades going into college, I looked up, and halfway through college, I did not have great grades. Uh, and the people who had given that money to me were not really excited about that. Uh, and, and so I did, I learned the lesson that, you know, if I just take for granted what God has given to me, I devalue that. I, and, I, and I prove myself not trustworthy with God's gifts to me. 
and so I had to face that fact halfway through college that some of that money that had been given to me, I was no longer trustworthy to have. Uh, and that was painful because then I actually had to pay for it. Uh, and, and so I would just encourage you, uh, a, a number of you are in situations where money is not really an issue. Where, you know, if you need something, it will be bought for you. And I want to encourage you to be thankful to your parents who, who make that a reality. Uh, and as you are thinking about college and going away to college, those are not rights and privileges that you have. They're, it's an honor and a gift that God has given to you. And so I want to encourage you to see that as a gift and not an entitlement. Awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, anything else you guys want to add when it comes to money, generosity, giving, the church, the mission of the church, any of that? Um, one more thing I would say that you should start early when you get your first job is to save. I mean, we're supposed to give and save and spend. And if you heard this morning in Pastor Jerry's sermon about the 10, 10, 80 rule where you give 10% to the church or to good causes that are merely to the church and save 10% and then spend what's left, it's going to make your life so much easier if you learn that at an early age. Like Ryan says, you're not just going to wake up when you're 30 and be like, oh, I think I'll just live off 80% of what I make now when you've been spending 100 and maybe 10% of what you make. Or 26%. So definitely save. It will pay off over the course of your life. I know you're thinking, oh, I'm only 15, I'm 16, whatever. But I started saving when I was 18 years old at my first job, and now I'm 46. Anyway, it's a long period of time for it to grow a little bit. Yeah, I, I echo that. Just you got to get in the habit uh, of give, save, live off the rest. Give, save, live off the rest. Awesome. Well, thank you guys. Can we thank them? For chapter 9, verse 15, he has one short sentence, one short sentence, which um, he, he's kind of kept going through uh, everything about uh, giving and generosity, and his, uh, his kind of one short sentence is this, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And I want, I want us to, I just want you to, to kind of know this, because I get it, I get it. Some of you in here are in middle school, and you aren't, you're three or four years away from a job, and you don't care about money at all. Some of you are in high school, and you, again, you probably don't make a ton of money, and uh, I remember when I was in public, the minimum wage was $5.25, so it's changed a little bit, but I, every two weeks I made like $100. And so that money was like gold to me. I was like, I, I hid it in an Altoids bin underneath my mattress. That's how that's how I rolled in high school. And that was kind of like my savings plan was put a bunch of cash like I was a drug dealer or something under my mattress. And so <clears throat> I know that it might be the farthest thing from your mind. Absolute farthest thing. But here is what you need to know. Generosity has to start now. It has to start now. And it has to start with what you have been given. That's why Paul says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. At the end of all this generosity stuff, he says it all is about how God gave us an indescribable, priceless, perfect gift. 
treasure that we cannot uh, we cannot spend enough of, that we cannot uh, be stolen from, that it cannot be destroyed. This is a gift that lasts forever. So my vision for the student ministry, and I want you guys to hear this, <clears throat> because what we what we want to happen in the future is what we got to start deciding right now. And so I want this student ministry to be a generous student ministry. Now most student ministries, even even really cool student ministries, a, a lot of them aren't about giving. A lot of them aren't about generosity. They don't talk about money. They don't do any of that. We are going to talk about it at least once or twice a year. Why is that? Because we have to start right now. I remember being in high school, and I would do the whole kind of like give a tip to God. Like, I'll give you a tip, 5% for uh, for good service, God. And I would kind of pull out whatever was in my pocket. Every once in a while, I would tithe. But usually, it didn't start there. But I, I still remember that because my parents showed me the way on giving, and because they set that example, the first, the very, very first job in my senior year uh, of college that I had was coaching basketball. And for the entire season, the entire season, for four months, I got paid $1,000. That's that, that, that was my money for hours and hours and hours and hours. So I got, barely got paid anything. But I remember, this makes it very simple. I'm going to take $100 and give it to the Lord. And then from that moment forward, I have not, not tithed. And why does that matter? Why am I telling you that? I'm not telling you that to brag myself. I'm not telling you that um, because I just want to kind of give you statistics on my life. I'm telling you that because it starts right now where you are. How can God, how can God use your finances and your stuff and your talents and your treasures in the future if you won't give it to him right now? So if you work at Chick-fil-A, if you work at Publix, if you work at so wherever you are, if you work there and you get a certain amount of money, if you're a middle school and you get an allowance or you get something for doing chores, I want you to begin to be generous. I want us to have a generous student ministry. And I know not everyone's going to give. And I know most of you are going to hear this message. You're going to go home and not change one thing. But there are some of you in here that are hearing this. They know that God has given you so much. That God has given you so many blessings. That God has blessed you with all the money. It's not yours. You are only managing it. And you want to begin to be generous and you want to begin to give. So I want to challenge those of you who want to do that, to do it, to take action. And so we have the same cards that we had um, about six months ago when we talked about giving. And we're going to have them up here on the altar. And I want to challenge you. And I'm not going to come back. I'm not going to keep track of this and like say, hey, you owe me 75 37 for this uh, last two months of time. I'm not going to do that. But what I want you to do for yourself for a commitment for yourself, is I want you to, um, if you feel so called, you'll just come up here and you'll grab a, uh, a card. You can just sit at the altar with a pen, and uh, you can just fill this out. You can name your grade, and you can either commit to giving a percentage. Maybe it's one percent. One percent. You just start there. And you're going to slowly graduate uh, from two to three to four. But maybe it's just one percent. Maybe five percent. Maybe you say, "I'll give two dollars a week." Or I'll give $10 a month. And so you can put a, a, a money amount at a time, either weekly or monthly, down there. And again, this is an opportunity for you to start a habit that will continue throughout your life. So that when you have a bunch of money from the career that you want to be in, or where you are making a lot more money than you're making now, you will still be generous. Because you started as a middle school. You started as a 17-year-old, as an 18-year-old. You started young, and you became Generous. And so what we're going to do is we're just going to close and worship with a couple of songs. We're going to worship God for the indescribable gift he gave us when he went to the cross. And we are going to just give you the opportunity to respond by giving. And then at the end of the worship service, I'm going to come back up and I'm going to give you uh, something else, a tool for you to uh, to give and save and spend and kind of be organized um, in the way that you're generous with your stuff. So let's pray together.
worship. Jesus, we love you, Lord. You are awesome, awesome, awesome. You have given us an indescribable gift when you went to the cross. I pray that the person in here that doesn't know you, that doesn't know how much you love them, that has never given their life over to you, would know tonight, even as we talk about money and generosity and giving, how much you gave, how much you, uh, you sacrificed, how much you gave up for us. Though you were rich, you became poor, not to become poor, but became poor to benefit us, to make us rich. Lord, I pray we would never forget that. If there are people in here that have been Christians they were middle school, elementary school for 10, 20 years, Lord, I pray, I pray that they would not become complacent, that they would not say, oh, I got heaven, I got all that stuff, I'm just going to keep stuff for myself, that we would know that everything you've given to us is really yours, and I pray we would be generous, that we would be a generous student ministry, that we would set an example for other people, that we would be different from the rest of the world, that we would be different from people in high school who wouldn't even think about giving a penny to anybody else besides themselves. But Lord, I pray that people, girls and boys, men and women in this room would give because they have extreme joy of all that you've given them. Lord, we love you. We thank you for loving us. We worship you because of how much you've done for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together and let's worship